0: That's probably the biggest myth in email marketing today. Welcome to the Active Marketer podcast, where we talk about how to design, automate, and scale your business to the next level using sales and marketing automation. You can find out all the tips, tactics, and techniques you need to get more customers and sell more stuff over at theactivemarketer.com. Now, here's your host, Barry Moore.
1: Welcome back, listener to the Active Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Barry Moore. This week, we have a really interesting topic to discuss, and that's email deliverability. been hearing a lot of stuff online about the deliverability of this platform versus that platform. Lots of rumors, lots of myths floating around. I wanted to get somebody on who could tell us the straight scoop on what goes into email deliverability, number one, and number two how we can give ourselves the best chance of hitting the primary tab in Gmail the highly coveted primary tab so how can we skip those promotion tabs and get straight to the primary tab now this is a little bit of a long interview with Chris Lang an email deliverability jedi So we're going to skip the uh, normal kind of intro stuff, and we're going to go straight into this interview, but we'll be back next week with the Shameless Social Proof segment. So if you want to leave us a review, jump on iTunes, and I'll read it out on a future show. Uh, In the meantime, let's get into this week's episode. All right, with the uh, new Star Wars movie so close to dropping into theaters, I thought we should get a Jedi on the show today. So we've got Chris Lang, email delivery Jedi. How are you, Chris?
0: I'm very good, Barry, and thanks for having me. Uh,
1: I am really looking forward to this one. Uh, I It just seems like in the last, I don't know, maybe the last month or six weeks or something, it's just been about a massive kind of kerfuffle about delivery, uh, email deliverability, and uh, people complaining about one service provider or the other. When probably most of the time it's kind of their own fault. So I thought we might get somebody on to who is a delivery expert, and we could talk about first of all, like what are some of the myths in uh, surrounding deliverability, and also how we can uh, take some steps to get the to to get the most out of our emails and make sure they're given the best chance to get into the inbox. Does that sound cool?
0: Sounds great. Uh, first of all, how do you get to become a delivery Jedi? Well, by pure accident is how you become an email-delivered Jedi, and you never really want to do this. It's just one of those things that you have to do. In 2008, uh, I had a uh, a little ebook about SEO and social bookmarking called Wickedly Evil Social Marketing Tactics, and... Uh, I built I built the site up around it, and we were huge into social bookmarking and its effects on SEO before anybody else talked about social having an effect on SEO. And you know, I built my site up from about eight visits a month to forty thousand a month, in, in you know, over the course of the summer, and I was making five grand a week and uh, seeing about forty thousand uniques a month. Nice. All of a sudden, everything disappeared just like that. No sales, no traffic, uh, nothing. Uh, my email list all of a sudden started appearing in all kinds of spam filters for no reason. It took me over 30 days of digging through Google to find a nice little new uh, uh, piece of antivirus uh, uh, reputation of the URL via Trend Micro took me 30 days to even figure out who Trend Micro was and to finally get to the bottom of it and find out that, yes, they were blocking me. It took me a a little bit to get clear of them. They said, oh, sorry, false positive, and that was it. I'm like, well, how about a statement, you know, about saying, nope, nope, we won't do that. We'll simply unblock you. Uh, Anything else, you should contact your lawyer. And after that, I became pretty obsessed with Various ways that your email and your site can be blocked and, and, uh, you know, just, I had no plans to become an expert on this. It just, it happened. I was forced into it by the situation. And I've been writing about email delivery for, for almost seven years now via email delivery, Jedi.com. Uh, it, it's, uh, it wasn't fun. It was, but I found the process really interesting, Barry. I consider myself to be an email detective because it's not about the blocking. It's about something that has occurred deep down somewhere in one of your sites uh, that you don't even know about that has triggered something stupid somewhere. And often these block lists do share their block list. And, you know, the, the, the big names are always watching the lesser block lists. Uh, uh Not exactly. I will say they're connected to each other. I will say they're all working together. But the anti-spam community is a small one and a very tight one.
1: So I I guess email delivery is a pretty broad topic. So um, for this call and this interview, what we're going to talk about, uh, can we maybe narrow that down? What what does email deliverability mean to you and what are we talking about here?
0: Well, I tell you, it's a moving target, Barry, and I think about it night and day every day. It's all I do and the only thing I do. And it's probably the most focused I've ever been in, in 17 years online. It, it, I don't worry about traffic. I don't worry about anything else. I get all my business through referrals. And I, I simply kind of stay on top of uh, my mad scientist thinking, as some people call it, around deliverability today. Because, you know, you hear a lot of complaining about the, uh, the ESPs that send your email. But really, if you, Barry, if you were going to the spam folder because of, say, a Weber. Then everybody at Aweber would be going to the spam form. Yeah,
1: exactly. It, exactly.
0: It, it's completely untrue that one platform has better deliverability than others. Sure, they go through cycles uh, at, at times. Some are better than others, but really, fifty percent email delivery is really your own responsibility. The autoresponders, the ESPs, uh, active campaign, Infusion Soft, etc. They will get the email delivered. What actually happens to it today, especially at Gmail, is up to you. IP reputation has very little to do with uh, the algorithmic various inboxes that are, that are at Gmail these days, especially the, the Gmail promotions tab.
1: And I'm assuming that all those recipient servers and, and um, recipient companies... They know that, like, oh, these are all the IPs for AWeber, these are all the IPs for infusions. Like, they know that. It's not like a surprise oh, so where, where the email's coming from, right?
0: Oh, sure. It's all public in uh, – well, first of all, it's all public in DNS. Uh, so, I mean, we, we all know that AWeber has over 500 IPs, and, and they have two uh, uh, complete ranges. Uh, and, and so does everybody else in in, in these ESPs. Tell what the people that they're delivering to them this email for us to that these are their IPs. You know, we've all heard of uh, various ways of uh, uh, improving your IP reputation, et cetera. And, you know, there's, there's SPF and there's DKIM and uh, all, all the stuff out there, and, and everybody's doing it. I mean, it, it, it's, it's all public out there for the taking if you know what to look for as a person, but it's really set up for the machines to communicate and know who's who.
1: And is there a way for you, as the person, you as the sender, you as the domain owner, to, to check your ESP and see what kind of deliverability it's having, or if there's any problems or any black flags or anything?
0: You know, when it, when it comes now, when it comes to let, let, let's talk about the big names. I mean, GetResponse, Mailchimp, Aweber, uh, Infusionsoft, ActiveCampaign, etc. I mean, they have entire deliverability departments that that take care of that. Uh, I mean, when you go with any of the big names, you don't really have to worry about them. Uh, there's really not much that the average person can do to identify that one's better than the other. Uh, but there's a lot of things that they do that we as normal people can change on our end. So worrying about you know your your when, when if if your bounce rate goes up from one percent to three percent. That that's a waste of your time. I mean, concentrate on the ninety-seven percent that are getting your emails, and, and use a platform that that fits you. I mean, I know you're well big, big on automation. Uh, some people are more big on on just hardcore delivery, like I am. Uh, other people, you know, jump on uh, autoresponders due to the price. So I wouldn't even waste my time worrying about any of any of these big names' deliverability. They're all about the same. Okay. So
1: um, are any other myths out there that you've heard, like people saying, oh, you know, it's got to be this or it's got to be that when it's just blatantly untrue?
0: Well, I mean, there's a few things floating around out there that that I really disagree with. And uh, and let, let's kind of start at the top of that. I'm glad you mentioned it. Listening to deliverability advice on Facebook and blogs <laughs> is probably your biggest mistake. Yeah. And, and that being... This this advice that's been floating around for about the last year year and a half that deleting unengagers is going to raise your deliverability, and that is true. However, without knowing your true delivery metrics, without hiring somebody uh, to to take a look at your basic delivery and, and and find out whether or not you might be going to the spam folder at AOL or Microsoft, which is now all Microsoft properties, uh, et cetera, Hotmail, Live, MSN, all go into Outlook.com. Yahoo, uh, Yahoo at times could be 40% a list. And, of course, the Gmail promotions tab. And then the ones nobody ever talks about, cable companies like Comcast. They, they cable companies can be sitting at 10% of your list, and these people can easily never receive your emails. So if you have a problem with one of these other providers or any or all of these providers, just one, one uh, uh, spam folder problem that you don't know about because you don't, nobody picks up the phone and tells you, uh, you're in our spam folder, you need to fix this. They don't tell you that. Uh, then deleting these unengager segments could be your biggest mistake ever. When really, you probably need to have a delivery of, uh, deliverability audit via some some uh, the email delivery expert. I'm not the only one out there, so I'm not pitching my services. But, you know, you don't have to look for to find people in Google that are email delivery experts and, and hire somebody for a few hundred dollars. Because, you know, if you're going to delete 10,000 unengagers, you better be darn well sure that those unengagers are really unengaged and that you don't just have an email, a, a delivery problem. And, and one thing about autoresponders is they don't tell you, they, they give you gross stats for the most part. They don't tell you that, uh, oh, Gmail, Yahoo, et cetera. They don't say, oh, by the way, you're not getting any opens at. No, you just select that segment and delete it. And, I mean, how much would you pay, Barry, for 10,000 new uh Subscribers,
1: yeah, for sure. So, is there a way what you know? What are the metrics that you look at, and and where do you find those?
0: Uh, I would suggest everybody should have some delivery expert do a deep, intense audit on all of their domains and everything that's going on and, and give them a health report, okay? That right there, okay. So, now I'm all healthy. The, this person that I hired as a, a delivery expert cannot find. Anything going wrong, now it's time to think about deleting unengagers. And I agree with it at that point. That's probably the biggest myth. Is the, and, and here's another term that I hate too, Barry, is, is it's become the term has become scrubbing the list. Scrubbing the list is scrubbing the list with a great piece of software and, and using a really great service. It's not deleting unengagers. And what what's called scrubbing the list is suddenly is a term that's suddenly been applied to simply deleting unengagers with no more uh, uh, thought of it or look to it than I just described. That's probably the biggest myth in email marketing today.
1: Okay, fair enough. Um, so let's say you, you, you're not a detective or you've hired a detective and um, they've given you a clean bill of health or told you what your problems are, um, and now you're starting over again. What are some of the steps you can take as kind of the list owner, the emailer, the marketer, the business owner? Um, to give yourself the best chance, what you know, what things can I do with my email? What things should I avoid with my email to try and get into that coveted primary inbox tab in Gmail?
0: Well, the the, the biggest mistake that you can make at the point at which you have a clean bill of health and your list is engaging highly, uh, and and that's just just not believing that your subscribers are just not that into you. <laughs> And and that being that you are unwilling to change. I had a guy at Facebook tell me that he could give a flying whatever about Gmail's promotion tab and that there was no way he was going to hack up his beautiful emails or change his hard-hitting, brilliant copy just to satisfy Gmail's promotion tab and be in the primary. That's probably the, the, the biggest mistake you can make is being so in love with your own marketing and your own copy and and your pretty emails that you're unwilling to to, to make any kind of changes. Yeah,
1: so, um, so he's the only one that gets to appreciate how pretty his emails
0: are because they're not making it to anybody's inbox. The Gmail is very different from any other email client. All other email clients are static filters that take cues from their own internal uh, uh, spam detection and they take cues from blacklists and external blacklists. Uh, uh, Gmail, on the other hand, it almost entirely takes cues from its own algorithmic and dynamic process. So you could be in the spam folder one day, you could be in promotions another, you could be in the primary in the day after that. And when I started noticing that this, that I subscribed to, were not simply sitting in the same tab day in and day out. And I noticed that some days they were in different places. Sometimes you might find an email that you would normally expect to read every day in the spam folder. The next week, they're back in the primary. So this is what I really began to think about. Gmail as a highly personalized email client. And... And I dug deeper and deeper, and I, I, I found some of the algorithms behind Gmail. And, and Gmail PhDs and developers, the algorithms, have said publicly that Gmail is customized on a per-person basis. And that's when I really began to get interested in what the machines were doing about a year ago. And, I, 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 and to, to be sure to this, let's, let's not mislead anybody here. If you read your email in Gmail and use it as your email client, you cannot depend on anything that happens there as being what would happen in someone else's because you have basically trained Gmail to your responses. Yeah, so it so, basically customizes itself to you and your you and your habits, right? Yeah. So if you're using your Gmail as basically a your own own Gmail or your own Google account uh, where you receive and e- read email at, as uh, basically the yardstick for your Gmail delivery. You, you're making a huge mistake there. My Gmail has been set at the defaults. I've never read more than a few emails a month there uh, since I since I was a, a, a post beta tester in the first release. You know when you had to get an invite from somebody and what was it, 2004? I have never read my Gmail. Uh, I'm never going to read my Gmail. Uh, I, I divide my business between my domain and, and and I send everything all my newsletters to Gmail. You you have already altered things through your own customizations, what what you open, what you read, et cetera. We could go on and on about that forever, but we're going to uh, try not to run too far over your time, Barry. Um, so my Gmail account is just basically as close to the defaults as I could get them. Uh, I accept Google's G, uh, Gmail's defaults, and I never change anything. I enabled tabs when they first came out in the very early days, uh, late summer 2013. So my observations there and amongst t- 10 other seed accounts that I have on Gmail uh, are my own, not using software and not using any robots, which certainly Google would not like if you're trying to uh, analyze delivery. So it, it's pretty much on a uh, personal observation basis. And, and I found roughly about 30 things that can send you to the promotion stamp and it, and it's and there's no rules or rhyme or reason. It all depends on on what uh, particular algorithm Google is weighted today, just just much like Google search. But there's uh, we'll just see if we can move through uh, my top 10 list here.
1: Yeah, okay sir. to
0: count them down, Mike Letterman. So at, at 10 we have you know not believing that they're just not that into you. That's probably the least important and the most important. Uh, it depends on your mindset. If you're unwilling to make changes, then, then it's the most important. Uh, only emailing when you're promoting something. Um, you have to make some good content in there. I mean, engagement is, is one of the, the big keys to uh, Gmail algorithms. So you've got to make promotions with great content. Uh, I know many people, that for some reason, can get away with doing nothing but hammering their list day in day out with promotions and are in the primary tab uh is that uh a, a, a something we can depend on no it's it's probably it, it's probably more like a uh anomaly just one of those weird things that happen that you can't explain and the guy's doing well at it. it it is what it is you'll you'll see some people in your your primary tab that should just should not seem to be there but they are and it it's one of those things that I can't decode and you shouldn't worry about either. And you certainly certainly shouldn't imitate it.
1: Yeah, I have uh, noticed I have noticed like when going through an automation that might be like five, six, seven, ten emails long. And I'm just testing them before putting turning the automation on and go, okay, test send this one, test send that one, test send that one. And even those four emails that I've just sent in the span of, you know, a couple of minutes, they may all end up on a different tab in Gmail, <laughs> even though they're all coming from the same same IP address, the same sender, the same everything, and they just pop it in into different tabs.
0: When when you if you if you learn or or read anything about email learning or data analysis, basically what you do is you throw out the anomalies and pay attention to the data that lines up. Uh, that's how machines learn, and and it's kind of how I learn too. Is is I look for anomalies and I look for things that I can identify that are stable. And one of the most interesting things that's happened at Google in this past year, of course, was mobile that uh, uh, Google uh, uh, forcing us to be uh, mobile-friendly or not be listed in search on mobile devices. So I kind of thought about this as far as Gmail. And the next one, number eight, is, uh, well, I use really small text because, hey, I have a really big phone. Now, if Gmail is based on engagement opening the email, spending time with the email open, and scrolling down the page, meaning you've read it. And, of course, uh, there's a lot of uh, question about whether or not clicking the link is something Google counts or not. So we're not going to go into that. There's two sides of that fence. I'm, of course, on the yes fence. But now let's say that your email is not mobile-friendly. It uses really small text or it uses one of those ancient, say, Infusionsoft templates, with the big uh, product sidebar down the side, mm-hmm. well, nobody, somebody's going to open that email and go, I can't read that, and they're going to close it. And the next time your email comes in on a mobile device, they already know what it's going to look like. They're not going to open it. And in that case, I would say mobile-friendly emails do affect engagement and hence your ability to make it to the, the primary tab. What you really want to think about is, Who is reading your email on what device? And that can best be represented by Google Analytics. Go to Google Analytics, go to the audience tab, the mobile tab, and then devices. And you will find, especially in a civilian market, that people don't have a really big phone today that roughly... Forty to sixty percent of your email is still read on an iPhone five, and it is an incredibly small device.
1: So what? So what kind of what kind of pixel size would you recommend there if you're creating custom your own custom email templates and you want to make sure you're sending them out in a mobile friendly size font?
0: Most people agree on Arial and sixteen pixel font. I myself tend to go a little bigger, especially because uh, I have. Uh, uh, a couple of those three hundred and fifty pic- three hundred and fifty some pixel wide phones, like a uh, iPhone, and I find that eighteen to twenty two pixels works for me because I don't want to have to pull my glasses out to read my phone. Yeah, for sure. So another one. This is one that people disagree on, but we tested the other day using a business name as your from address. The other day we see, a lot of people say no, it doesn't affect it, and I see a lot of business names that get to my. Promotion stamp. Yeah, I see a, a few that make it into primary. And we tested it the other day. We sent a, a list of a hundred and what is it, two hundred and thirty-eight thousand. We sent an email at 10 o'clock with the business name, went to promotions. Sent the same email to the same list with a uh, a personal from name, went to the primary tab. Now that's not to say that this is a rule. This is true that you can't use a business address. Let's just say we tested it and that's what happened. Uh, I would say it would be left up to you to test it. Right. So, yeah, I would agree.
1: So it's, if it's coming from a person, you're more likely to jump the hurdles than if you're coming from some business name. Cause it,
0: well, it was, it was odd that the business name sent it to the promotions yeah. 30 minutes later. Uh, the real person name. Set it to primary. Yeah, cool. Very really cool. odd, odd metric there, uh, and we'll explain why that could happen as we move down. Uh, okay, so I use lots of images in my email. Well, because Pinterest. <laughs> That's uh, okay. Great guys. Email is not Pinterest. Right? You, you get one email. You get one picture in email. Make it an effective one. Uh, just that simple, especially if you're having problems with the promotions tab, that would be the first place I would look. Yeah.
1: And that includes all the, pardon my language, but all the bullshit footer and face stuff that people put into their emails, you know, the little <laughs> social media icon.
0: Social media icons the ones I hate the most. Yeah. And we touched on uh, number five, big fat news uh, news newsletter style templates. Yeah. Uh, you know, we all want an entire magazine in our email, right? <laughs> yeah, because I want to wanna read a magazine on my phone. Yeah, right. I mean, Social Media Examiner is a very, very popular blog and a very popular list. Very large list. Uh, last I heard it was, it was uh, last time I talked to somebody there, they said the list was about you know, 300,000 this time a year ago. So we're probably guessing it may be twice that size you now. Uh using a big Infusionsoft-style template, and in the promotions tab a lot. I, I really don't have time to read 10 things from anybody, uh, and especially when I've already read 10 other things in the primary tab, and now I'm looking at promotions, and there they are. So And, and to, not to demean uh, to social media examiner in the least, Michael Stolster's an awesome guy. Uh, a lot of my clients are very good friends with him. But it was his email, especially, that tends to pop in and out of primary and two promotions. that was one of the early ones that gave me a head up. Um, using a SIG file. I think you, you, we just touched on that a little bit before. Number four, using a SIG file. You've got them in your email list. Why do you want to send them back to social?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So people are always looking for a way out of your marketing. Don't give them one.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You try you are all that time on social media trying to drive them back to your site, get on the list while you're driving them back
0: out again. Exactly. Um lots of links in your email, you know, the the more links, the more clicks you're going to get, right? Um we're down to basically thinking that the the number of links in Gmail can only be two to three is is, is most of the thinking the testing uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of people on, on on Facebook that that also work for for large autoresponder services. Uh, some of them I'm sure you know, Barry. And and we all kind of differ on it, but it, it, let's just kind of touch on what this list is here, too, because it, it's not a list of things you can't do. It's not a list of things you have to do. Let's just say the more of these things that you do, the more you're gonna be in the promotion stand. So depending on your marketing, what converts. Uh, what makes your email uh, uh, work and make you money, you might want to leave the other things behind. Yeah.
1: Now, where do you stand on, you know, uh, I know on your list it kind of says one link only or, um, you know, I see a lot of marketers kind of use the tactic where they're sending out an offer, they have a couple paragraphs of text, they have a link to the offer, a couple paragraphs of text, and then another link to the offer at the bottom but it's the same URL, like both those links are pointing to the same place they're just trying to avoid making people scroll back up or scroll back down or whatever to,
0: to yeah. get a link. so would, especially that, on a full device that's effective so yeah. just just to interject there're real effective on a mobile device
1: would that count as two links or would the gmail see that yeah. as one link because it's the same URL
0: or in, in in my testing I've seen people most, most uh, uh, we kind of invented some of my partners' years about let's see about five years ago where the First to start using the the, the three links, uh, three three paragraphs you copy. Now, I and I see those kinds of emails in my primary today, and I checked them, and they're all the same link. Yeah. Don't think it has an effect. It, it's when you t- when you start sending people to three, four different places, um, that kind of tends to just tell Google, well, you know, you're 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 kind of shooting at ducks with a shotgun, yeah. uh, hoping somebody clicks one of them. I'll, I'll get every. I'll give everybody an option, and it'll cover the three possible conversions that my list might be looking to uh, uh, take me up on. Spray, so, spray, and pray. Yeah, spray and pray. There you go. I knew you had a better, a better <laughs> <illustration> <laughs> That's than right. me. That's right. Um, well, one of the biggest things that irritates me, Barry, is number two here on my top ten list. Uh, you say on the first contact email, whitelist my email. Because everyone knows how to do that, huh? Right. Uh, Things have changed a lot. Adding someone to your address book does not always work. Gmail's made it a moving target and moved it to three different places in the last two years. It's now currently under a drop down. It's different on mobile. It's different on desktop. So, you know, about seven years ago, uh, whitelisting an email became... Uh, one of the best delivery indicators still very true today and i built something called a whitelist uh uh, uh email whitelist generator and it basically contains uh whitelisting instructions safe sender instructions uh, or address book instructions for all the major antivirus software and all the major esps and i update that each year i invented the darn thing uh i i, I all you have to do is google for it It's free, Uh, you don't even have to give me your email address to get it if you don't watch. Uh, This email whitelist generator is, is an absolute must have, because if the person does not know how to whitelist your email, they need to know where, they need instructions to do so. And it's something that should come on first contact. That first email, you should give them the option to whitelist that email and instructions if they don't know how. Outlook.com, AOL. Uh AOL's, now AOL's webmail version has replaced everything else there. And uh Outlook, the standalone client. All three of those, you have to jump through a few hoops to get that that person into a safe senders list. It's not as easy as just having them in your address book anymore. So that's that's number number two. You know, give them some instructions. Help the person. Yeah. Uh, if they need help, you're making a friend, uh, and, and and it and it's free. I mean, I should probably be a little more stiff about having to opt in and have a real deep funnel, but I don't. Uh, I I kind of like it the way it is. And I'm a pretty aggressive marketer, but I I get tired of having to give up my email address for everything.
1: Yeah, for sure. All right. I guess that brings us to number one. What's the number one thing on your list?
0: Changing your FROM address will get you more engagement and change it often. The biggest myth in email delivery today. Uh I've I've heard a lot of people say, Oh, if you, change, you you're not getting much engagement. Well, we'll change your from address and and you well, yes, that's the ESP uh testing for you for engagement. So you've changed things. Uh the, the machines only have so much to go on. And today, the from address. And the from from name text is still the machine's best way in front line of defense against spam. And this goes back to, of course, the whitelisting the, the white email as well. But yes, if you change your from address and mail your list tomorrow, you will probably get one of the better open rates that, that, that you've gotten in a while. And you probably will continue to see that for a bit. And then slowly you will sink back down to probably anywhere from below to far below where you were before. Uh, having a, I, I've been emailing from Chris at keywithdata.com since 2003. I've been using Aweber as uh, is, is, uh, my main list uh, uh, ESP since 1999. I've been using the same form address for 12 years. I am literally in hundreds of thousands of address books. And and that is probably my biggest secret to, to my delivery success is getting whitelisted and getting in people's address books. And I seriously think that, say, like Gmail, basically says, okay, he's in this many recipients' uh, address books. He sent this many emails. The ratio is very close to each other. That's a really white hat list promotion. And then we don't see the promotion stamp. We see the primary. And and just to kind of wrap up Gmail, you know, most uh, deliverability experts that I talk to, and I I talk to a number of people that are the man at various large autoresponder services, and we all agree that that Gmail is built with built from somewhere around four hundred and fifty to five hundred specific algorithms. Right.
1: Right.
0: So. And, and, and Gmail, the, the, the head of Gmail about nine months ago said in a big interview, uh, do not try to game the Gmail to the Gmail promotions tab. If you're there, you belong there. So just to kind of close things up, I'm not suggesting you game anything. I'm suggesting that you look at what businesses do to belong in the promotions tab and then not do it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, I guess you could almost sum that up in kind of one little phrase is is if you're sending emails like you would normally send a friend, you know, you're using that conversational tone. You're not overloading them with HTML. Like when I email my friends, I don't give them stupid HTML newsletter templates. I send them a a normal-looking email with maybe a couple of links in it. I don't have my social media profile links spattered everywhere. And it looks like a normal person-to-person email. Um, So, you know, would be your advice be to use that same sort of email for all your kind of business promotion stuff?
0: Well, I I tend to talk to my email list like they're my old college buddy at happy hour, and we've got about three beers in us. (laughs) Uh, I'm a working class guy. Been a working class guy my whole life. Uh, And I would suggest
1: when doing any marketing, you have at least three beers first.
0: There you go. There you go. It's 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 if you start working on it at three beers, though. You know, there might be three more beers that come in, and you might be a little too friendly,
1: Yeah, and you might be but, a few more typos than you want to deal with.
0: Yeah, you might use some uh, ad copy that's maybe a little <laughs> too, uh, let's call it sexy. I don't know. a little too sexy in your ad copy. But yeah, but yeah, I totally agree. Uh, you know, talking to people like their people. Uh, most of your list is not gonna. Your list is not gonna be made up of Frank Kern, Evan Pagan. Brian Dice, Russell Brunson, blah, blah, blah. And they're going to be made up of normal, average, everyday people that open your email e- expecting to, to, you know, hear from a friend. Yeah, for sure. So you, you don't have to uh, 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 talk to people like uh, they're, they're, you know, a business presentation.
1: All right, Chris, we might wrap it up there. Where can people reach out, get more information on you and uh, what you do?
0: Well, you can. You have two choices. I'll teach you how to do this yourself. Uh, If you want to, I I think every marketer should have a basic understanding of how email is really delivered today in their toolbox. Uh, EmailDeliveryJedi.com, price to sell, teach you everything you need to know. And and if you're going to hire an email delivery expert, it wouldn't be too bad to understand what he's saying either. Uh, However, if you want it all done for you, there's a spot on the bottom of EmailDeliveryJedi.com where you can... Pick up the phone and call me, email me, and I'm always uh, uh, glad to help on whatever level. Uh, And lastly, email jedi.com slash whitelist. Email deliveryjedi.com slash whitelist. That's where you can get that email whitelist generator. Uh, It's a single file, contains everything, and you can simply FTP it to a uh, a directory on your site. and, And please do enjoy using it.
1: All right, and I would suggest everybody get that and put that in your, at least your very at least your first email out to uh, someone new to your list. All right, and all those links will be in the show notes. Chris, I want to thank you very much for coming on and sharing all your Jedi wisdom with us, and look forward to consuming more of your content online and in my primary tab. Uh, I hope so. Thank you, Barry. All right, thanks, Chris. See you. Really insightful information there from Chris and some stuff I plan to go ahead and action straight away. If you want to get anything we mentioned in the show today, Chris's top 10 list, his whitelist software, they'll all be in the show notes over at theactivemarketer.com forward slash deliverability. And I want to thank you for spending some time with us. We've got lots of great shows coming up. We're going to check back in on our case study. We've got some Tactical 20s coming up uh, and some other great interviews as well. So we'll see you next time. In the meantime, get out there and design, automate, and scale your business to the next level with sales and marketing automation. See you, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to the Active Marketer podcast. You can find the show notes and all the latest marketing automation news over at theactivemarketer.com.